Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello everyone, I've got a new sponsor to tell you about. And you might find their service to be useful for your English, so listen up, because this episode is sponsored by a cool new company called Spoken. Spoken is a service set up by a couple of entrepreneurial English teachers who are combining English teaching with technology. Basically, they've come up with a way to give you business English lessons through messaging services like WhatsApp on your phone. The way that Spoken works is that they connect you with a coach who's a native English speaker And then the coach sends you lessons that focus on real-life professional situations and help to improve your speaking, vocabulary, and communication skills, and it's all done through WhatsApp. Uh, lessons are sent straight to your phone anytime you want. You reply using the microphone or by typing on the keyboard, and then they send you feedback and other exercises based on your responses. Lessons are pretty short, only using about 25 to 30 minutes of your day. So these are flexible and tailored business English lessons delivered straight to your phone via WhatsApp. Sounds pretty good, right? And you might be thinking to yourselves, right, what's the deal, Luke? What do we get for being uh, listeners to your podcasts? What's the deal? Well, Spoken are offering you two free lessons and then 20% off everything, okay? So whatever price plan you choose, however many lessons you choose to buy, you'll get 20% off. Um, so to check out Spoken, to get two free lessons and then the 20% discount, go to getspoken.com slash L-E-P. That's getspoken.com slash L-E-P. G-E-T-S-P-O-K-E-N dot com slash L-E-P. Or just click a Spoken logo on my website. All right. So you see, it pays to be a listener to this podcast because you get some good deals. And that's not all, because here is now a completely new episode of the podcast for you to listen to. And that's free as well. It's like Christmas or something, isn't it? It's just like Christmas. In fact, it is Christmas, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, then. So here is that new episode. But really, check out Spoken. Have a look. See what you think. They Check out uh, getspoken.com slash LEP. They've got some videos and stuff and other information. You might like it. It might be for you. Okay, then. Jingle! You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. That's right. That's the name of the podcast, right? Luke's English Podcast. My name's Luke, and this is my podcast. And generally speaking, it's about English, but uh, we, I do also go on about all sorts of other things. But the main idea is that it's going to help you to learn English. How are you? All right? Having a nice day? Or night? Or evening? Or morning? I don't know what time of day it is where you are. I don't know where you are, in fact. Uh, but if I have a quick look on my website at this moment, I get an idea of where people are in the world. At least the people who are on my website. 
because you know it's pretty complicated to get things like um, listener statistics, website visit statistics, things like that. I've got statistics on the sites that tell me basically how many times each page gets visited and things like that. But for people who are online right now, I do actually have like this globe thing, a kind of map on my website that tells you where people are. Um, and uh, th- that's people who are actually on the page at the time that uh, you're looking at it. Does that make sense? Okay. So anyway, if I look at the map, I can see there's someone in Madrid, someone in Paddington in England, someone in uh, in Italy, in Turkey, uh, a number of people in in Russia. Oh, someone's just arrived in Poland there, someone in, uh, in Ukraine, um, all over the shop, basically. Someone in Taipei. Oh, they're everywhere. So anyway, I've got lepsters all over the world. Listening. Oh, someone in Brazil there as well. Okay. People all over the shop uh, looking at the website. Um, anyway, Luke, get to the point. Yes. All right, then. Here's a new episode for you. And uh, in the last couple of episodes, do you remember what happened? Uh, do you remember what our plans were? Um, yes. In the last one, Amber and I talked about Christmas and all that stuff. Uh, but also, you might remember that we were planning to go and visit Paul on the set of his TV show and record a podcast while we were doing it. And that's what we did uh, last Thursday afternoon. We went down to the 7th arrondissement of Paris, which is a rather posh district on the left bank of the River Seine. Uh, and there we saw the film crew, a few scenes being filmed. And Amber and I even appeared in one of those extra uh, scenes, not extra scenes. No, we appeared in one of those scenes as extras. You know, extras are those people just sort of in the background. They don't, they probably don't have a speaking part. They're just people in the background, like people eating in a restaurant or people walking past in the background. They call them extras. So Amber and I appear in one of uh, Paul's videos as extras uh, in the background. Um, so when the video is released, eventually, you'll be able to see us briefly. And it will be, um, I think it's going to be the one about French cinema. So when that one is released on Paul's YouTube channel, have a look and you might see uh, Amber and me in the background. Uh, by the way, Paul's TV show is broadcast on Saturday evenings on fr- on a French TV station called Canal+. Plus. And then after that, uh, a week later, the videos are released onto YouTube. Uh, and um, his YouTube channel is called What the Fuck France. Okay? What the Fuck France. What? Okay. What the Fuck France. That's the name of the, the, the channel. Okay? It's like, What the Fuck France. And he talks about the kind of um, moments of culture shock that uh, an English person might have when living in France. Okay. Um, now, Uh, Last Thursday, unfortunately, they weren't filming in the English pub as expected because um, Paul told us that they would be filming in an English pub, which sounded amazing. Uh, But in fact, they weren't filming in the English pub uh, because they did that in the morning. So no beer or crisps or warmth or beer. Instead, we joined them while they were filming in the street outside a little church. So instead, it's a street, a church and no warmth or beer, unfortunately. Uh, but despite the harsh conditions and the and the lack of beer and crisps, 
I brought my recording equipment and we did a podcast while standing around with the film crew there and all the local Parisian people in the street going about their lives, walking past us and even talking to us at certain moments. In fact, there's a moment at the beginning uh, where you'll hear a couple of Parisian people talking. Uh, Some people just asked us a question in the street. Um, So you're going to hear in this episode the recording that I made uh, on the street there while uh, Paul was filming his show. And you're going to hear descriptions of what was happening during the recording and also some general chat with Amber. Um, There were also a couple of moments where Paul stopped shooting and came over to join us uh, with a few other people too in some cases, including Robert Hain, who you might remember from the Have You Ever episodes recently. Episodes? episode. It was just one episode, wasn't it? Yes. So as well as the conversation and descriptions, there is some English teaching in this episode because while standing there on the street, I realised that I had 12 idioms in my pocket written on bits of paper. Uh, Of course I did because as an English teacher, that's the kind of thing I have in my pocket, just a bunch of idioms written on bits of paper. Uh, And it, because it always pays to be prepared as an English teacher. Um, So I sometimes have teaching materials in my pocket or up my sleeve. Um, For example, I might just have like bits of photocopied worksheets, like, for example, this that I've just discovered lying around on my desk. This is a a worksheet um, about future predictions, uh, which might be a future episode of this podcast. Anyway, um, so as an English teacher, I do sometimes have teaching materials in my pocket or up my sleeve, not literally up my sleeve. That's just an idiom. Uh, you know, for example, if you have an idea up your sleeve, it just means that you you kind of got an idea sort stored or saved in an accessible place. But it doesn't mean literally up your sleeve. Your sleeve obviously is part of your clothing, like the bit of clothing that covers your arm. That's your sleeve. So I've got a few ideas up my sleeve or I've got a few ideas in the back of my head. These are just phrases to mean that you've got some ideas that are sort of uh, available to you. Um, All right. So anyway, um, in this case, uh, I had uh, some idioms on bits of paper in my pocket. I actually had those idioms on me for another podcast episode that I'd planned ages before but didn't do. But the idioms came in handy this time and provided us with some teaching content for you uh, for this episode. Um, So all the idioms that you're going to hear were taken from the Oxford Idioms Dictionary, which I do have here somewhere. There it is. The Oxford Idioms Dictionary. Um, I've got a copy of it here. Those are the pages you can hear. That's the actual book. So all the idioms that you're going to hear came from the Oxford Idioms Dictionary. Um, And um, so what happened was I went through the dictionary and I picked out some some idioms that uh, I could then teach to you on the podcast. Uh, And I chose them quite carefully because I think that the idioms I selected are all expressions which are commonly used today because some idioms, although they're still part of the language, they're not that common and they sound a bit weird when you use them. But I tried to choose ones that I think are still used, you know, quite a lot today. Um, Now, I could list all of those idioms for you here in the introduction in advance and even teach them to you in advance, but I'm not going to do that because actually I want to encourage you to notice the idioms for yourselves uh, because that's a good skill to develop if you can develop it. You know, you should always be on the lookout for bits of language which you can identify and eventually make part of your active vocabulary. So listen carefully uh, and 
try to notice the idioms and then keep listening because in the second part of the lesson, Amber and I explain all the idioms to you. So it will all be clarified. Um, So that's what you're going to get. A podcast recorded in the street with all the sound effects of what was happening around us, a couple of guest appearances, and then 12 common English idioms taught by me and Amber. Or Amber and me. In fact. So I hope that you're feeling comfortable and that you're cosy and warm because it was bitterly cold on the streets of Paris when we recorded this. Um, so I recommend listening to this one when you're at when you're indoors with the heating turned on and a hot drink nearby. Or if you're outside, make sure you're wearing a, th- a pair of thick woolen mittens or gloves and a warm hat. Unless, of course, you're in a hot place like Australia or something, in which case you can just bask in the in the hot weather and uh, try to avoid being bitten by a snake or a spider or something. Uh, And if you're in Brazil, uh, then, you know, just go to the beach or something and get ready for that big party that you're going to have on Christmas Eve. Because apparently that's what uh, people do in Brazil. They all go to the beach and have a massive party. Um, I don't know what the people of Brasilia do, because they are hundreds of miles away from the beach. I don't know. Guys, what do you do? If you're living in Brasilia, which is the capital of Brazil... Um, and it's sort of in the, it's sort of not on the coast, let's say. What do the people of Brasilia do uh, on on Christmas Eve? Because everyone else apparently is going to the beach. I don't know. You can let me know. Um, Anyway, now let's go back in time to last Thursday afternoon on the very chilly streets of the 7th arrondissement of Paris with a film crew and rich old Parisian ladies walking around. And let's begin the episodes and remember... Can you spot the 12 idioms? Do you know them? And can you use them? Here we go. Right. Hello, everyone. We are currently standing outside. It's an outdoor podcast here today. Um, and uh, Amber, can you just describe what's going on? By the way, listeners, I've got Amber here next to me. Uh, Amber, what's going on exactly? Well, we are on set of uh, What the Fuck France, which is Paul Taylor's comedy show. And they're filming as we speak. So there are cameramen, sound guys, lighting guys, caterers, makeup people, uh, costume people. There's a whole film crew here. (laughs) So we really are recording in the street here. We just heard a couple of Parisians. Can you explain what just happened? We need to place exactly where we are. We are in the 7th arrondissement in Paris, which is the most expensive and exclusive neighbourhood. And we're in this little sort of street in front of a church. It's very, very pretty. And there's some really interesting people walking past because the only people that can afford to like walk around these streets are either tourists or wealthy, older French people. And, and, and a really interesting older lady with some quite exceptional lipstick. It was really quite round her face. Yeah, she was wearing she'd really slapped the lipstick on uh, earlier on in, in the day and like this bright pink color like just a, a real kind of paris paris character wasn't she and the bloke she, the guy she was with what did she actually say she wanted we're standing in front of something something quite posh at some sort of building and she wanted some information about it um and she asked if we worked there we don't so uh, we couldn't help her and then her husband or partner sent her on her way but she was i mean where's this lip but she wasn't trashy she was obviously like a sort of very wealthy older lady but just a lot of lipstick yeah 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 okay so you know 
the real deal, real sort of streets of Paris. The seventh arrondissement, as you said, is, is the sort of poshest part of Paris, right? Mm. Yeah, there are some extraordinary little shops and things around here. But the reason we're standing in the street here is uh, in order to, to basically observe and take part in um, the filming of one of Paul's episodes. What's this one all about, Amber? Well, he's filming two, apparently. We were just in one. We were extras in one, which is about the post or the post... No, about films, about movies. Films, yeah. Um, and this one is might be about the boulangerie because Paul is um, on his knees looking up and Robert uh, is dressed as a king and is knighting him with a baguette. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's happening in this scene, but yes, exactly. Like Paul is sort of kneeling down in front of Rob, so it's like King Rob is knighting Paul. And you know, like, the way that a person is knighted? I mean, it happens in the UK. Oh, uh, the guy's back again. It happens in the UK when the Queen gives an honour to uh, someone who's done something exceptional. Like, for example, Mick Jagger or Paul McCartney. Sir Mick Jagger, Sir Paul McCartney. They've all been... They've both been knighted. And there's this ceremony that involves a sword and the monarch kind of puts the sword on the shoulders of the person being knighted. And that's kind of happening here in this scene. I don't exactly know why uh, and how this relates to boulangeries, except that Rob is the king and his sword is is a baguette, like a big piece of bread, and he's using it to knight Paul. So, I don't know, is it going to be like the bread king or something? I don't know. Any idea? No idea, but it looks pretty cool. I mean, the whole setup's pretty cool. People keep walking past and stopping and taking photos. Um, and we look like we're part of it because we've got, uh, well, because we're, we're recording something. Yeah, we've got a microphone. I'm standing with these big headphones on. So it makes me look like I'm part of the film crew. I'm not. I'm just a bloke just standing here doing a podcast. Um, but um, yeah, we took part in, in the episodes just a moment ago about movies, French films. So eventually that's going to be um, edited together and put onto YouTube and put on TV. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be famous, Amber. Famous? We're going to be on TV. We are. We're going to be on TV and all over YouTube and everything. Um, uh, they're fairly kind of small parts, though, aren't they, really? Well, I mean, a supporting role... I'd say, but it's still essential. What did we actually do? We, we walked past and Paul gave us some post. That's basically it, isn't it? Just walk past That's while it. Paul was talking and then he gave us some post because he was pretending to be a postman. Uh, there is now a white van parking in front of us, probably making lots of noise. It's, it's suddenly all chaotic, have you noticed? It wasn't as crazy as this. Maybe it's nearly rush hour and a lot of people are sort of running around doing things. Um, OK, right. Do you, do, any idea about this church that we're standing in front of? I'd hazard a guess at about 16th century. 16th century, really? I mean, if anyone knows about these buildings and these streets, Amber, it's you. Because we all know that you're the the history buff around here. You know all sorts of stuff about uh, the history of Paris. Um, So can you tell us anything about the 7th arrondissement? Like where it is and what it's known for? Well, uh, a little bit. What can I tell you about the seventh? The, the Eiffel Tower is in the seventh. The seventh is uh, it's, it's expensive. It's very, very wealthy. You get lots of like lovely shops around here. We were just in. Well, I was just in yeah. one, just down the road, full of stuffed animals. If you like um, David Sedaris, he writes about that shop. He went and bought a, a stuffed owl for his partner in there. That's just around the corner. So a shop full of stuffed animals. Yes. Yeah. There, I saw, we walked past it earlier, and we saw. Um in the window, there's like a stuffed bear, like this black bear, stuffed. A whole, whole shop full of stuffed animals. I saw a stuffed giraffe in a, a market just outside of Paris there. So maybe, you know, similar kind of thing. Weird though, isn't it? It is weird. I mean, it's sort of 
amazing to be able to see these animals, but like awful. It's like the museum, you know, the Musée de la Chasse et Nature, like hunting, and it's the best museum in Paris, but really? it's sort of, yeah, full of stuffed animals. It's terrible, like, but yeah, really interesting. What's so interesting about it? Just seeing the animals, and like, you, they've got these really sort of curious expressions, and they feel very human. And it's also like the building itself is like an old mansion yeah. house in the Marais. It's lovely, yeah. Uh, Paul's just been knighted by the bread king. Um, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to actually seeing this episode uh, when it's finally made into a video. Um, how, do you think, uh, how do you think the filming of our sketch went earlier? What, the scene that we were in? Yeah. It was cool. It took about 10 or 11 takes uh, to get it right. It just goes to show that um, making a film or TV show like this is a complicated business. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to get it right first time. You do it and you fluff up a line. Uh, something happens like the cameraman forgets to press record little technical problems and it has to be done again it takes ages to just make one two and a half minute video it can take you all day yeah, yeah. lots of little things can go wrong I mean the per- the uh, boom got into shot a couple of times really? camera angles were wrong We, I think we might have messed it up uh, did, really did we was that our fault sometimes well Rob once hit the boom Rob hit the boom well yeah it's Shit, we've just been told. We've just been told that we're talking too loud. The, uh, the is he the director? That guy. Which one? The the one with the uh, clapperboard hanging out the back of his jeans. I think he's the DP. The DP, the di- well, the director of photography. He just sort of shushed us. Did you see that happen? He sh- he went like that. Shh. I didn't, but now I do feel bad. We podcasted too loudly about them making mistakes and it sort of jinxed the show slightly, maybe. I think the boom guy with his powerful boom swung it round and heard us. Someone's looking at us like, what are they doing? Yeah. So how, was, how did your play go, by the way? It was brilliant. It was really, really, really good. Why? What happened? Uh, the kids went wild for it. We thought they might not get involved, but they, I mean, they got so involved, we had to cut some of our lines because we couldn't be heard over the screaming of pleasure. <laughs> really? Well, that's fantastic. How many kids were there? It's about 300 kids. Okay, that's brilliant. I mean, I still plan to get you and James onto this podcast to give us a full report, but I'm, I'm very glad to know that it went so well. You know what, Amber? You know what I've got in my pocket? <laughs> You'll never guess what I've got in my pocket. I have got in my pocket 12, 12 pieces of paper. Excuse me. A lot of plosive sounds in that one. 12 pieces of paper, um, each with an idiom written on each piece. That sounds like a fun game. It does, doesn't it? Um, and the reason I did that is because ages ago, like months ago, I think maybe the last time you and Paul were on the podcast, like in September or whatever, I did actually prepare some... That's noisy sort of workman noise, that was. Uh, I did actually prepare something. I wrote all these idioms out on bits of paper, and I thought what I would do is that we would try and insert them naturally into our conversation. Um, Now, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good game? If I just give you some some idioms on bits of paper, and then you've got to try and... We'll just keep talking, we'll keep rambling, but you've got to try and sort of seamlessly insert the idiom into the chat. Uh, Okay. All right, so, oh, whoops, there's one. So there's there's three. I'll give you I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of others. Um, 
So Amber's now looking at the idioms. Now, I'm bef- before um, before we have this conversation, I might have um, already done like an introduction where I maybe say some of the idioms. I don't know yet. But the point for my listeners is that they've got to try and identify the idioms. And the challenge for us is to try and insert them into the conversation seamlessly, not too clumsily. Because if we do it clumsily, you know, it's going to be obvious and awkward. So we've got to try and make it really natural and, and, and easy, you know. And, you know, feel free to sort of like ask a question to direct the conversation in a certain way so that that leads to you naturally using the, the, the idiom that you've got in, in your hand, OK? All right, then. So um, look at that camera. It's that big camera that that guy's got over there. It looks expensive, right? Really expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, how much do you think one of those cameras would cost? Something like that? No idea. A couple of grand. I think it would cost an arm and a leg, don't you? I mean, it looks like such a, an expensive piece of equipment. It's bound to have been very expensive. Did you, did you notice that one, everyone? I used one. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's, it must, must be very expensive making these TV shows. Yeah, what, what do you think? Do you think do you think uh, it's it's worth the investment for like a TV company to, to do YouTube videos? Do you think that's a, a good way for them to spend their money? Well, as a rule of thumb, they tend to spend their money on things that were already working well, or they think that uh, will work well, and that's the case with Paul. Right, right, right. So you know, that, I guess that explains why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but you know, I, I wonder sometimes at what point a TV company would decide that a show is not working you know like sometimes you see these shows that are commissioned and they've filmed and they start to show them and no one watches them and you know that even though they're broadcasting all these episodes it's like they're flogging a dead horse or something you know and uh, <laughs> and you know you just kind of think sometimes they should just give up and like you know cancel the show have you ever watched a show that got cancelled halfway through um, I can't think of any. I can think. I can think of one. Right, um, the the you know there's this TV show called The Apprentice, The Apprentice, which obviously is famous now because of uh, Donald Trump. Trump used to be uh, the guy who did The Apprentice in in the USA. In in the UK, it's done by this guy Alan Sugar, and it's basically like this big businessman, and he uh, is he's got a job for someone he's looking for someone for a new job and he gives there's like 20 people who apply and he gives them all these difficult challenges and every week one person gets fired until at the end you know he picks one of them to be his new apprentice and they did that in france right they they made the french version and it got cancelled after like three episodes because apparently in france no one actually wants to sit down at home in the evening and watch other people work you know, <laughs> or they what they don't want is to watch other people get fired because then they think, oh, I wish I could get fired. Really, is it, is it good to get fired in France? Depends why you're fired. But if you're fired, like not for doing something terrible, like peeing on your boss's desk, but because right. you know the company doesn't need you, you're sort of like let go. You can get two years' salary. Oh right, okay, yeah, yes. Paul talks about this in his stand-up show that if you if you uh, if you do get fired or they let you go, yeah, you get all these benefits afterwards. You get paid for two years for doing nothing. So yeah, maybe all the French audiences were jealous every time someone got fired at the end of The Apprentice. That's why the show didn't work. And uh, they're probably the producers of the show, like, oh, this show's just not working in France. I guess we better get back to the drawing board and you know come up with a new idea. Yeah, ah oh, dear. Have you been watching any TV recently? Um, yes, I've been watching, well, I mean, a series. I've been watching Westworld. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That's good. Really good. Well, Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Four. Four. You found. You fancy. No, I mean like four. That an amazing talent. Right. That is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he's brilliant. Really good. No, really good. It's super serious. Like amazing. Really, really well done. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Really, really great. Okay. Do you recommend it? Definitely. Is yeah. It, is it the sort of thing that everyone would like? Uh, no, because the kind of thing that everyone like is normally shit. <laughs> you mean like the sort of Transformers kind of stuff? Oh, look look at this. Look who it is. It's Paul Taylor comedy. Hello. Hi, Leaks English podcasters. Have you changed the setup? What's happening? Is it the mics yeah. not work? Yeah, I, I, there was a problem. I didn't have my uh, SD card, so I had to abandon the previous oh, setup. Shit. So we're doing it with this microphone, but it's fine. It works. And we're playing an idiom game. Okay. Um, in, in which basically we have to, you know, keep talking. And we've got to try and insert these idioms naturally into the conversation. My listeners have got to try and identify when an idiom is being used. Okay. He's been doing rather than playing idiom. Yeah, yeah, we we, we can carry on the idiom yeah, game. But uh, were you what, talking about what was happening at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. we did it. We talked about it a little bit. Did you bit. start the podcast again? Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. So, so what's going on then, Paul? Uh, so currently, I'm uh, wearing a, a king's cape, some sort of cape, uh, in the streets of Paris because we're shooting uh, what the fuck fronts, and it's about the boulangeries. Okay. Um, and uh, basically, it's the fact that you know I'm getting knighted uh, with a sword, except the sword's a baguette. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're what we just finished filming. And before that, you guys were extras in uh, in uh, what was it? Movies. French cinema. French cinema. Mm-hmm. French cinema is another episode, and we're about to shoot the the, the final scene uh, of this whole day, and that's the alcohol episode. So oh, yeah. uh, I have to. Ch- I will need to change shirts again. Um, just the other day, you said that we would be you would be filming in a pub. Did you do that this morning? Yeah, we filmed in an English pub called The Long Hop. I told you it was The Long Hop. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, it was fun. That was a part of the alcohol. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good fun. All right, cool, brilliant. Robert Hayne, the, the American in Paris, is here as well. Uh, how's the day going for you then, Rob? This has probably been one of the best days of my life. Really? Why? What's, what, what's happened? What's... We just met an actress named uh, Chantal mm-hmm. uh, Lobby who is one of the original members of Les Nuls. What's, 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 what's that? It's like one of the original members of the French Saturday Night Live, if, kind of. I mean, it's the easiest way to describe it. I don't know what... The French Monty Python. The, the French Monty Python, like, like a, uh, someone really important in French comedy. Right, okay. And so who is she? What did you do? What happened? What happened was is that she just happened to be walking by and the sound engineer knew her and asked her if she wanted to be an extra in the scene and she said yes. So that's super cool. It's, oh, like, it's like Bill Murray showing up just being like, yeah, I'll be an extra, no problem. Wow. And uh, what was really cool is uh, in the episode on alcohol, I'm not going to spoil it, uh, but there's a couple of references, like quick references uh, to some French films where people are wasted in the French films. Oh, yeah. And she's in, one, she's in that scene. But she, she wasn't there on time for the scene that we did, but she's still an extra in the thing where we're making reference to her and a line that she said in a film, which a complete coincidence. What a mad coincidence. That's, That's like, um, who's, uh, what's a famous phrase from a Monty Python sketch? Um, this, this parrot, this, this parrot is uh, not dead, it's just resting. Maybe that one. The costume, Paul's costume um, lady is here to, to remove his... Hello, to millions of people. hello Josephine. Hi. That's Josephine. She's now removing Paul's clothes, which is her job, apparently. If only this was a video. If only it was a video. If only it was a video podcast, you'd be able to see me get naked, Lepsters. But that'll that'll be for another time. Some people might be wondering how Josephine got this job, uh, the the job that involves taking Paul's clothes off and and now putting other clothes on him. She's making sure that the talent is warm. 
She's giving him a nice warm coat uh, here just to make sure that he doesn't get too cold. She does it with one hand. She does it with one hand. She's talented as well. There's so much talent here in this, in this area. Hey, hold it's, on. It's really can we take a picture right now and then so that you can put it on the episode's sure. uh, page so that yes. people can actually see what we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold Absolutely, on. yeah. Because I have that other picture. Hold on, Josephine, Josephine, get in. Get I have the other picture of the four of us. Josephine, get in. Yes, uh, Rob okay. took a picture earlier on get, too. Get in, get in here, right, get in come here. On, come get on. In with the and the, the photo's been taken here. Ah. Oh, that's right. Okay, if you go on the website, ladies and gentlemen, and find the page for this episode, you will see that photo. Uh, that's right, there, there is another... And now we're actually doing the video at the no, same time. Oh, now it's being videoed, and this uh, maybe this video could end up being uh, uploaded as well. Look at look at everyone's faces. Isn't it it's weird? And, You've uh, just dropped look, something. Something's oh. been dropped on the floor. There's too much action. That's fine. Look, let, let's see the, 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 the scene from behind us. That's where we're filming, just right. over there. Yeah, yeah. Other than the church. The church is over here. Okay, we can see the church it's now. It's very beautiful in Paris. Rob, get out of the way so we can see the rest of the film crew. <laughs> That's the film crew. Vladimir. Vlad, say hi. Vladimir is our... Uh, puller. Hi, Vlad. He's uh, our puller. No, he's not a puller. He's a, mm. he's a, a, a director of photography. Yeah. And focus D-O-P. puller. D.O.P. Yeah. Okay, D-O-P. Okay, cool. What, what does the D.O.P. do? Director of cinema. Yeah. Director of photography. Director of photography. So you direct the photography. Yeah. Okay, that's very good. Excellent. I'm glad someone's directing something around here. Um, all right, fantastic. Well, it's so great. It's so great that you're doing this, Paul. You must be absolutely over the moon. Oh, totally over the moon. It's incredible. Like you know, a year ago I was still working at Apple. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I joined this comedy thing, and I just you know somehow. Thanks to uh, a lot of things, uh, uh, it just happened and I hit the nail on the head, really, when it came to being a foreigner in France. You really did, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. That's just, it's really working out for you. The idioms are still coming here, ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed? And, uh... Yes, uh, Rob is no, Rob is now f- staring right in at me, holding one of the idioms in his hand. You want to say something, don't you, don't you, Rob? Idioms drive me up the wall. Do they really? You don't oh. like idioms? So they find that you find them annoying? They drive you up the wall. That was one of the idioms, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. But you know what's interesting about idioms is that, you, you know, when you start learning a language, you kind of have to find your feet to start with. Um, I don't appreciate you people calling me an idiot. Okay, guys? Right, yeah. We're, there are lots of idioms here and, indi- and idiots as well, apparently. I'm just going to run off and check what the next scene is just to make sure that uh, the director, Felix, who you saw in the back there, if you're watching the video, uh, that we, I don't know why I'm giving you this. I've, I've got to go. I'll be back in a bit. Okay, Paul. Bye. Bye. Run, Paul. Run. Okay, break a leg. You Break know, a leg, very good. You know how ignorance is bliss? Yes. And, and in English, we might say that guy is the village idiot. <laughs> yeah. In French, it's called the imbécile heureur, that, the happy imbecile. Happy imbecile, that's much nicer in a way, isn't it? That's a lot more positive. Have you run out? Have you done all your idioms? No. Okay. Hold your horses, I've still got a few more. Okay, whoa. Oh, nice. the, Bam. the idioms are flying in thick and fast here. I think I've run out. I'm, I'm trying to look in my pocket for another one, but. Um, do you want me to look for you? No, 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 it's okay. I'm, I've got it covered. I don't need you to thrust your hand deep into my pocket. Um, there will, there's no need for that. No, I, I, oh, I've got one more left. I've got one more. I'm just trying to find it here. Go on, go on, Rob, get it. There you go. Okay. So, um, you, know, you, know, you know why I went and got it myself? Why? Because I'm willing to go the extra mile You are. For you. You're always, always willing to make the extra effort and go the extra mile, you know, for Luke's English podcast, aren't you, Rob? I've noticed that. Uh, how are you doing, Amber? We haven't heard from you for a little while. That's because you're all a lot taller than me in the microphone is sort of over my head it's almost like a sort of boom it's become something like that 
That's true. But it was very cute watching her jump up and down trying to talk into the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. If you watch the video or the photo or whatever, if there is indeed a video or photo on the website, you'll be able to see the top of Amber's head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, Amber, I've done with all, I've done all my idioms, uh, so it's over to you now. Well, the ball is in your court, Luke. What do you want to do next? Well, I, I think now that we've done all the idioms, because they've all been done, ladies and gents, I guess, um, I don't know, what do you want to do now? I, I, you know, that's it. All my listeners now would be like, wait a minute, that's it. There were 12 idioms. Yeah, all 12 have just been done in a whirlwind of talking. You could talk about the idioms you like in other languages. You know, an idiom that I often look for in another language mm-hmm. is one in English that we say, um, have your cake and eat it, which I never understood because obviously you do want to have your cake and eat it. But I think it means have your cake, like keep it uneaten and eat it. Yes. Um, and every language has its version and they're really fun. We need to just establish what to have your cake and eat it means. I mean, I did. Do, I've kind of mentioned that before in Brexit episodes because this is the perfect idiom for describing Britain's Britain's situation in 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 Europe. That Britain, you know, people always say Britain can't have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. And was there a, like a thing? Yeah, there was an expose. Like someone apparently came out of like talks, confidential talks, and their notes were photographed accidentally on purpose. That's to be uh, established. And on the paper, it was written, "Have cake and eat it." Oh, really? What, like some official politician in the Brexit negotiations had written, can't have their cake and eat it too? No, no. It was Britain and they wanted to have their cake and eat it. Oh, That's really? exactly what they want. That was like the first bullet point on the list right here. Are our, here's our negotiating position. Our first demand is that we want to have our cake and eat it too. And in Europe's like, oh, you, you can't. That's physically impossible. You can't have your cake and eat it because if you eat it, you won't have it anymore. And then Britain will be like, we don't care. Uh, Article 50 and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. So they have different versions of, of this idiom. Uh, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, meaning you can't, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't have, like, yeah. the two, you know, yeah. All right, so... Well, in French, it's to have the, the butter and the money for the butter, and apparently a longer version is have the butter, the money for the butter, and the, the butter maid. Oh, oh, really? You can't have the, the butter, the money for the butter, and the butter maid, the, the woman who brings the butter to you. You can't have all of them. No. Because he... Why not? Why can't you have, like, all three things? Well, I suppose you spend your money either on the butter or potentially the butter maid, who knows, <laughs> on the butter maid's morals right. um, or financial situation. But, you know, it's, it's, you, you can't have it all. Right, I see. I think in That's... Italy, I think it's like you can't have your wine, you can't drink your wine and have the barrel full, which makes a lot more sense. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously it's nice to have a full bottle of, of wine a full barrel of wine even and it's also nice to drink it but if you drink it then it's not you don't have a full barrel anymore that's this is the basic idea is that are these the only ones you know sadly yes because i like this expression so much in uh, english but then i ask um i've just asked other people but i don't know that many other people's maybe the lepsters can fill us in on the other versions of this very good idea i'm sure that uh, there are many similar idioms around the world so in your language if you've got a similar idiom to to this one you know you can't have your cake and eat it too do you have a similar idiom in your language? If you do, let us know what it is in the comments section. Um, can you think of an example outside of Brexit of you can't have your cake and eat it? Can you actually think of an example of that? Like, you know, you can't have it, you can't have it both ways. Like, for example, you can't, be, you can't be unemployed. Like, you can't sort of not have a job and expect to have lots of money. Does that work? Unless you're in France. Unless you're in France, in which case they will give you two years' worth yeah. of your salary. Just, well, you know, there you go. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing that uh, France has got such a sort of uh, a strong sort of welfare state? Do you think that's you think it's good? 
yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's an excellent thing. I think that's one of the best things about France and that, you know, people get very upset about abuse of the system and there's lots of abuse of the system, but it's not people uh, being supported on the welfare pet state. It's people not paying their taxes and earning terribly high salaries which is ridiculous i think this is brilliant in france yeah 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 it's pretty wonderful isn't it it's nice it's a nice place to live uh i wonder what the what's the welfare system like in your country ladies and gentlemen uh, just leave a comment on teacherluke.co.uk with your uh, your views on the welfare system just watch out for the politics though of course you've got another one no i've got a question for you when i first moved to france you know when you have a housewarming party do you know what it is in french no it's a crémaillère what's that Well, exactly. I used to ask all the foreign people what they thought it meant, and everyone had some weird notion. And some people, what did you? What do you think it means? Do you have any idea? What? Let's say it again. A cremaillère. Cremaillère. Cream in the air. I don't know. Cream in the air. No, I've had all sorts of different people saying things that it was zips and all and things, but actually, it's about. Um, I think it's about hanging a little pot in your fireplace. Oh yeah. Because it's a bondaison de crémaillère, but so you, it didn't work because lots of most people had given it some thought. Not you. Clearly. No, I've no, no, I've never thought about it before. Crémaillère. I don't even know what the what the words mean. But no. it's well, that's it. It's, it. It doesn't. I think it's it's an old word that no one uses anymore. Right. So it's sort of useless. You only use it for housewarming. But it's like, what does it what does it mean? Right. Right. I see. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of understand the the the, the English expression, a housewarming party, because you you someone's moved into a new house and you want to kind of like make the house warm for them make them feel welcome in their own home so you have a so you know every you go to that person's house and you sort of like fill it full of a good atmosphere to welcome them in it's a housewarming party but uh, what about this thing about having a pot in the stove like to heat what i don't understand i think it's about hanging a little pot up in your in your fireplace like it's the last thing you'll do it's like you're ready to cook you've moved in or something like oh, that I, i think that's where it comes from and isn't there isn't any asp- there isn't like when you did go to a housewarming party in france you don't bring a pot which you hang in their fireplace or anything do you no they're not that many housewarming parties i think there's less housewarming parties here yeah I, i've noticed that but do you think that's because people move less frequently here i think it's because they live in very small houses very small flats they're too small for a, for anyone to gather together sometimes in some of the flats here in paris you can't get more than about three people standing up at the same time like that the, sometimes you get in the lift to go to someone's apartment and you're like bloody hell this lift is small and then you get into the apartment and it is even smaller than the lift <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah small places yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. or maybe they're just not inviting us maybe that's it maybe they're like no we don't want to invite luke and amber to our housewarming party yeah it's got very dark now and they've got the lights on so they're still filming and they've put on the lights and it's cold we're cold on it's freezing cold it, the sun is almost down it's almost gone down it's dusk isn't it at this moment yes and it's very cold my hand is like frozen around the 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 audio recorder like some sort of claw I'm so cold. It's like frozen into a block of ice. Um uh, but we're still going here. Um I don't know. We've 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 covered everything Amber. We've we've talked about the filming. We've spoken to Paul, we've spoken to Rob, we spoke to Vlad. Um and um we did the idiom thing. Yeah. I've no idea if my listeners managed to identify the 12 idioms. I think what's probably going to happen now is I'm going to need to go through those idioms um and sort of explain them and break them down so that my listeners come up, go away from this episode with 12 uh, natural english expressions that uh, they can then use in the future what do you th- what do you think do you think that's a good plan yeah should we do you want to do that now yeah we can do Let's that now. do it okay 
So in no particular order, here are the idioms that uh, you probably heard there. The first one, the ball is in your court. The ball is in your court. Okay, so when uh, this is a tennis, this this comes from tennis, I think, doesn't it? I suppose it? so, yeah. When do, we, when do we actually say the ball is in your court? It just means it's up to you. It's your decision, like you've got the power to sort of make the next move or, or choice. Yeah, can we think of an example? Maybe in sort of like a, a negotiation between two parties. You know, you might say, OK, here are the things, like the Brexit negotiation. Britain might come to the table and go, these are the things we want. There you go. There's the dossier with all the information. Now the ball's in your court. Hmm? Something like that, I suppose. Yeah, sounds about right. It's kind of like your t- it's your turn to make a decision. In, similar in tennis, because you knock the ball into their half of the court and then it's up to them to return it back to you. So the ball's in your court. You're, it's up to you to make the decision. Mm-hmm. OK. All right, then. What else have I got here? Yeah, you can do that one. OK. <clears throat> As a rule of thumb... Uh, As a rule of thumb. As a rule of thumb. Thumb like the biggest uh, uh, digit on your hand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they might not know what a th- you know. Sometimes it's worth just re-establishing what a thumb is. No. You know, these are the completely. most important words: thumb, flea. You know. Yeah. No. No. Completely. The, the thumb. The thumb. Yes. Exactly. As a rule of thumb. As a rule of thumb. I, and t- to be honest, I don't really use this very much, and I, and I can't really define it very well. I just sort of say like, as a rule, really, it's the as same like generally, this. Yeah. That's, that's not very clear. You have a go. Well, I would say that as a rule of thumb means it's like not necessarily the most reliable rule that is always the case in every situation. It's just a general rule that it will apply in most cases. Yes. And I think it comes from the idea of like when you're trying to measure something. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, if you're trying to measure a piece of wood, you know, and um, you don't have a, a ruler or a tape measure or something, you would use your thumb because your thumb's roughly an inch you know, uh, yeah, my thumb is, or, you know, depending on the thumb. But, you know, you kind of work out the size of your thumb. In my case, it's about an inch across. And you use your thumb to measure the thing. And there you go. That's the rule of thumb. It's about, it's about 12 inches, you know, by, as a rule of thumb. And I sometimes use it when I'm talking about English because I might have a rule which I can use to help people understand something in English. And I'll say it's just as a rule of thumb. For example, um, you know, do you know the difference between state verbs and action verbs? I talked about this on the podcast recently. State verbs and action verbs? Action verbs are things like doing verbs, walking, dancing, jumping. Yeah. State verbs are the, the state of being. Yes. Like to, to, to know yes. and, to, and possessive have. These are state verbs. And as a rule of thumb, if you're trying to work out if it's a state verb or, a, or an action verb, a rule of thumb is that if you can do a mime to demonstrate the verb, it's an action verb. But if you can't really do a mime to demonstrate it, it's, it, it's probably a state verb. So that's just a rule of thumb. There's probably exceptions to it, but generally speaking, that will apply in most cases. So there you go, as a rule of thumb. Um, here's the next one. Break a leg. Oh, this is easy, isn't it, this one? Do you want to have a go? Uh, this break a leg is what you say to people before they go on stage. And so we say, break a leg. Um, and I think that's the same everywhere. In France, they say, merde, before you go on stage. You know, Ian Moore, I think, told me what break a leg actually means. Did you listen to that? I did, yes, because he was talking about merde and break a leg. And yeah. um, 
I can't remember his definition, but I remember being interested at the time. Isn't it something like the idea of the bring the house down? You know, if you do such a great performance that people applaud so much that the the roof of the building breaks, that break a leg, a leg means a big piece of wood that is, you know, holding up the building in the ceiling, like a limb of wood, like a, you know, a big plank of wood in the ceiling. And if if you're so brilliant that the roof comes off, you raise the roof and bring the house down, you're literally breaking a leg, meaning a, a piece of wood that supports the structure of the building. That is interesting because merde, which is what they say in, in French, comes from if there was lots of people come to see the show in the sort of 16th, 17th century, they're driving there in horse and carriage. They'd look out the window and see plenty of horses, plenty of audience, plenty of merde. Exactly, yeah. Plenty of poo outside your theatre means that lots of people have come to the theatre. So in France, yeah, they wish you shit when they say merde and it means I hope that you get lots of audience, yeah. basically. Um, OK, the next one is, is uh, the expression back to the drawing board. Tra- back to the drawing board. Uh, the drawing board, yes. Back to the drawing board. Well, do you want me to explain drawing board or the expression? Well, it's, you know, with these idioms, there's always, there's, there's always like two things, isn't there? There's the literal meaning of what these things are and then there's the actual use, you know, the way it's actually used. We need to explain both. So, yeah, back to the drawing board. You should probably explain what a drawing board is first. Well, a drawing board makes me think about architects, you know, those big tables where they draw on, they design things on, you know. Always on an angle as well. The table's always sort of leaning on an angle. Yeah, exactly. So those big sort of tables where they're designing or creating or planning something, Mm. and back to the drawing board is you've tried something, it's not worked, you need to go back and replan it, rethink it. Imagine if you were sort of trying to plan a bank robbery for example, like we did on Luke's English podcast yeah, once. And it's like, you know, you get there, you've got the drawing board, you've got the, the, the map of the bank and you've got everything mapped out and everything and you're trying to design, plan your bank robbery. And then, you know, you try it and it fails because, you know, uh, well, I don't know what happens. You get there and you go, oh my God, there's more, there are too many security guards. Now let's cancel the bank robbery. And then you go, right, come on, lads, back to the drawing board. Let's start again. Uh, as if to say, you know, we need to start the planning process all over again because it failed. Um, where's the, Why are we standing here? The film crew seem to have disappeared, but there, I can see Rob. There's a, I can see some lighting. What are we doing? I want to either be involved or, or go inside. <laughs> it's cold. It is cold, isn't it? What are we doing standing out Why in the middle we, of the street? Why are we doing this? What the hell do we think we're it's doing? It's a very good question. Okay, let's, let's, let's hurry up then. Hold your horses. That's another one. Hold your horses. <laughs> it's the opposite of hurry up. It's the opposite of hurry up, yeah. Hold your horses means just slow down. Whoa there. Slow down. Down. Don't be too. Don't rush. Don't be too fast. And it's literally a hold your horses so they don't run away. Hold here, your horses. Here comes. Bobby. Hold your horses, everyone. What's uh, going on? Uh, I got changed into my uh, into my uh, new uh, shirt. What's what's the shirt? Tell the the shirt, shirt is. Uh, 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 it. It's checked checked shirt. Checked grey, red, white, yellow, green. It's almost like a tartan, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Is that what uh, English people? Look like? No, not necessarily. Like. I think it's nice. Uh, it's a really nice, nice shirt. Yeah. It's cool. Huh? Yeah, yeah. The plan? the plan is uh, this is uh, a scene where uh, I'm talking about the fact that in uh, in England, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is, we just call it going for a drink. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. It's like, do you want to go for a drink? It's like, yeah. it's, 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 it's nine thirty. It's that's, th- that's how we drink. It's nine thirty in the morning. Yeah. Do you, do you want to go for a drink? Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, it's four thirty p.m. after work. Let's go for a drink. So yeah. you're just going. We just call it yeah, going we go for, for a, a drink. drink. Whereas the French have got different terms for the different times of the day that they drink alcohol. For example. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, they have a thing called l'after work, the after work. Oh. Work. And that's when you have a drink after work. Uh, that's when you have a drink, but after work, and okay. you have like the the aperitif, the apéro. What's that? That's uh, the drink. Uh, 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 even further after work is uh, you invite people to your house you go for the apero which is the, the dinner before dinner it's a drink before dinner it's a drink before dinner okay and then uh, is that it I uh, know there's like uh, the digestif of course which is the drink after dinner right aperitif we've, we, no, we we've done the we've aperitif yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, aperitif digestif uh, uh, they've got happy hour as well happy hour but in England it's just let's have a drink I've got to go I've He's got, got to go. go off you go Paul bye run Paul run Okay, he's off again. All right, here's the next idiom. Okay. Hit the nail on the head. Oh, you really hit the, hit the nail on the head there. That uh, means to get it completely right. You've just, you just nailed it. Yeah, you made a point that is exactly right. Yeah. Um, I can't... Can you think... Can you remember the last time you hit the nail on the head? I think I, I rarely do. Really? Well, when you explained one of those idioms earlier on, I think you hit the nail on the head when you, when you uh, explained, like, all of those idioms earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's when you identify something very accurately. Like, yeah. you're looking at something, a problem, or whatever it might be, and you, you, you get it exactly right, and you will say to someone, wow, you really hit the nail on the head, you totally understood yeah. that. That's yeah. exactly what's going on like, here. For example, what do we need in this video? There's something missing from this video. And the person goes, I know what we need. We need light. We need more lights. And you go, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, get more lights, more lights in the video. And then you end up with a really nicely lit video. Exactly. Okay, right. Uh, f- the next one is found my feet or to find your feet to find your feet mm. so how long did it take you to find your feet in in paris because i guess when you moved here it took a little while to get used to things everything was a bit strange you might have felt like everything was up in the air and then did it take you a while to find your feet yeah it took me a while to find my feet yes it did okay. to and um, which means to establish yourself to find your feet to establish yourself to find makes me think about balance you yeah. know balanced Steady to like to f- get yourself in a steady position, like literally, like standing in a steady position, so that you're not off balance or about to fall over. But it also can mean that you find you get yourself in a steady position uh, in your life in general. Established, yeah. to establish yourself. Right, right, exactly. Like you can find your feet in an industry, mm. for example. Like Paul apparently has already found his feet in the entertainment industry quite well here. Are you cold? So cold. Amber is now rubbing her legs. She's rubbing her shins uh, with her gloved hands here to keep herself warm. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm breaking some sort of uh, French health and safety law by, <laughs> by having you stand out in the cold here. But, uh, we, I mean, I know, we could stop. It's we could cold. just... What we could do is walk around and around this, the, the circle of this place to keep warm. No, we're no? in the way. All right, there's another idiom. OK. Oh, I was over the moon. I was over the moon. I was very, very happy. Absolutely over the moon. I think everybody knows that one. That's one of those idioms that everyone learns, you know, in the first English class, don't, isn't it? That one and... They, they all learn it's raining cats and dogs, but we rarely say that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I was absolutely over, mo- over the moon. I was delighted, absolutely delighted. Over the moon. I was over the moon when Paul asked us to come and appear in one of his videos today. Uh, here's another one in my pocket, and it's, it's driving me up the wall. Rob said, idioms drive me up the wall. 
wall. It's absolutely driving me up the wall. What does that mean then? To be really, really annoyed. Like something really annoys you, you say, oh, it drives me up the wall. It's driving me mad. It's driving me up the wall. I guess when you climb the walls, that means you're kind of mad, you're losing your mind. So if something drives you mad, you can also say it drives you up the wall. What drives you up the wall, Amber? Is there something that's like, ah, really drives you up the wall? My son. Oh, yeah? Does he? What, what's he been doing? He can be really, really, really annoying. Yeah, what's the most annoying thing he does? He, well, the thing that he does regularly, which just, like, makes me see red, is... Um, there's he, another one, Idiom Hunters. It makes you see red. Yeah. yeah. Is, like, we live on the fourth floor, there's no lift, and he will always, at that point, mess around. He won't want to walk up the stairs. He'll try and walk up on his hands and feet, like, and I'm carrying loads of stuff, and I just want to get in, and he's being a little shit, and it just... <laughs> Oh, it drives me up the wall. It gets so angry. Right, there you go, listeners. A perfect example. Um, when you shouted, it drives me up the wall. A French man turned. A French man who was walking past turned round and looked at us like, "What's who, who are these English people?" <laughs> but he learnt an idiom, though, didn't he? He's gonna he's gonna arrive home, and he's gonna go. You know what? Those bloody English people in the street really drive me up the wall. And his wife will be like, why are you speaking English? Oh, I didn't realise. The power of Luke's English podcast. Um, right, it's like flogging It's like flogging a dead horse, uh, which is... Well, flogging? Flogging a dead horse. Yeah, flogging. Well, flogging means to whip. Yeah. So, you know, listeners, if you ever ride a horse, you might carry a stick or a riding stick or something in your hand. Surely not your listeners. Not my... Well, no, some of them. Some of them... They're kind to horses. They kind to horses, but but having a riding uh, stick is normal in in when you're riding horses, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't go. They probably wouldn't flog. Yeah, I guess not. Really whipping, you know. Flogging is like beating it really hard with a with a with a riding stick. But um, some people, jockeys, when they're riding their horse, if they want the horse to go faster, they sort of whip or let's say flog the horse with the stick, and it makes the horse run faster. Is it cruel? Maybe Uh, flogging a dead horse. It's a bit of a graphic image, but uh, can you explain what that means? Flogging a dead horse is, you know, like trying to... It's like doing something completely futile, something that's not going to work. Like the horse is dead, no matter how hard you hit it, it's not moving anywhere. So keep trying to do something again and again and again and again when there's absolutely no chance of it working. Like, like for example, trying to make The Apprentice... Uh, successful in France it's just yeah. like we might as well just give up we're flogging a dead horse you know yeah. there you go alright yeah, yeah, that's that one done have I got any left I think you do oh, yeah really you think so can you just hold on to those bits and pieces there's my phone as well I'll just hold that there uh, what else have I got here's another one go the extra mile to go the extra mile I feel Amber that we are going the extra mile in this podcast episode today I, don't you think I really do I really think we are going the extra mile which is to put in that little bit extra effort yeah exactly you're like we could have given up half an hour ago we could have been like right enough of this let's go to the pub but we didn't we're still here in the street okay uh, and it's nearly Christmas <laughs> we're standing in the street and freezing cold freezing explaining idioms just really just going the extra mile I always think you know I always like to think that I go the extra mile on Luke's English podcast to make sure that my listeners really understand all of these words uh, and uh, people are very thankful you know people are yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they appreciate they, it they appreciate it especially at Christmas oh, yeah. when people are extra generous <coughs> uh, at Christmas time you know they're very generous consider- considering making donations to Luke's English podcast yeah that's right that's an idea isn't it you know so the, the ideal way to send me a, a Christmas uh, thank you. Um, just a hint. 
Um, just a little donation. I mean, how many episodes completely for free are they able to download, Luke? Oh, it's it's uh, f- roughly 400 episodes. 400 epises? Yeah. Wow, that is hours and hours and hours of free English lessons. Yeah, a small that's donation. True, yeah. I make donations to podcasts. Yes, I, I donated to Wikipedia the other day. Did you? Yeah, I did. I know. If I like a podcast, I do make a donation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's good. It's like a, a new way of sort of funding content that you like you know it's like the new way in that this kind of thing can work exactly it's great yeah i think we did all the idioms amber unless um some of them fell no. on the floor no. i think that's pretty think much that's it. it and uh you can hear the bells there ringing in the background and uh paul is just on the other side of the square uh filming uh the final scene that they're doing today and the guy with the boom is swinging his boom around and uh, the cameraman is there with that kind of robotic steady cam attached to his body. Uh, Robert Hayne is there wearing a Christmas sweater, it looks like, uh, as a, uh, a woman in a headscarf, uh, like a fashionable Parisian woman, cycles past on a bicycle. It's like being back in the, in the 1920s round here, isn't it? Yeah, it does feel very old school. Like, um, you know, sometimes, despite the fact there's this futuristic film crew with all their technology over there, the rest of this place feels like it's been like this for about 100 years. There's kind of like these old old Art Nouveau uh, uh, street lamps and this old church and these housemanian buildings and everything. It's uh, And the, the Parisians that you see walking around, they, it seems to me like they, they've been dressing like this in this chic, uh, fashionable, uh, elegant way for, for years and years and years. It's sort of timeless. And I think that's probably a good way to uh, end this episode. Thank you very much, Amber, for, for agreeing to stand in the cold here and talk to me. Oh, no, thank you for doing a podcast. It has made it much more fun. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's been good fun this afternoon. So, ladies and gents, watch out in the future for the episode of Paul's uh, What the Fuck TV, What the Fuck France TV show, uh, which is going to be about uh, French movies, because you might spot cameo appearances from Amber Minogue and me. Uh, and that's something to, something to look out for in the future there, everyone. All right, then. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. All right. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye and go and have a cup of tea somewhere. And warm up. And warm up. All right. Thanks, listeners. Bye for now. Bye, 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 bye. So that was the uh, podcast in the street with Amber. And um, did you manage to catch the 12 idioms? Idioms? Idioms. That's not normally how you say that word. Don't normally say idioms. Idioms. Uh, idiots, maybe. Um idioms in this case so did you catch the 12 idioms let me just run them by you again just to make sure that you've got them and um, don't forget all of these idioms are printed on the page for this episode on my wonderful website so um, there was to cost an arm and a leg which means um, if something costs an arm and a leg it means it's very expensive those cameras must have cost an arm and a leg Um, as a rule of thumb which is just basically a way of saying as a general rule, as a rule of thumb, you know, as a rule of thumb, you should probably avoid crocodiles as a rule of thumb. Most of them will try and eat you. I I don't know, some of them might be friendly, but I imagine that most of them will try to eat you alive. So as a rule of thumb, it's probably a good idea to avoid them. Okay, all right. So um, we had uh, to flog a dead horse. Yeah, just he's just flogging a dead horse. That means doing something that's futile, do, doing something that's kind of never going to work. Uh, something that's futile. You're flogging a dead horse. 
Uh, then we had to get back to the drawing board, which is like to start again, to plan the whole thing again from scratch. Um, to start again. So, you know, well, back to the drawing board, I suppose. Um, to be over the moon means to be delighted. Uh, I'm absolutely over the moon uh, to be going home for Christmas, for example. Uh, or, you know, when when my son passed his English exam, I was over the moon. Mm. Um, next one is to hit the nail on the head. Uh, to say something which is absolutely and totally accurate, like to totally um, get something specifically perfectly right, especially when you're describing something or summarizing a situation, or you really hit the nail on the head there. All right, uh, what else? We've got um, to drive someone up the wall, which means to drive someone mad or to make someone really annoyed, like they keep doing lots of building work in the house next door and they all night they're hammering and drilling it's driving me up the wall okay um uh, there was to find your feet which means to establish yourself you know for example you know it can take a couple of years to find your feet in uh, in an industry it can take several years to find your feet in the banking industry for example um hold your horses hold on hold your horses hold on hold on slow down or wait hold your horses uh to go the extra mile which means to make an extra effort and uh the ball is in your court as well which means it's your turn to make a decision um also you may have heard in this episode uh, the expressions to get fired and to be let go uh if you if you get fired or if you are let go from your job it means that uh, you're dismissed for example, I think the I think the example that Amber gave in this episode uh, of a reason for getting fired would be if you urinated on your boss's desk, which I think is definitely a sackable offence uh, in most companies that I can think of. Uh, so, for example, if you urinated on your boss's desk without him asking, without her asking you to do it, you'd probably get fired or they would let you go. Um uh, we also had a housewarming party, which I think probably most people know. A housewarming party. That's when you've moved into a new house and you invite all your friends around for a drink and you have a housewarming party to sort of welcome you into your new home. Uh, the next one was to see red. You might have heard that one. To see red. If you see red, it means that you suddenly get very angry, right? Some people say that there's this thing called the red mist, which is like this sort of... I don't know if it's real, if you really do see red, or if it's just an expression, but um, it's an expression that we use to to say when someone suddenly gets very angry and they they lose control, they see red. Um, And then finally, of course, you heard to have your cake and eat it, which I think I explained during the episode. And you, you, anyway, you know that one already, don't you? You can't have your cake and eat it. Britain can't have its cake and eat it too over Brexit sort of thing you read in a newspaper headline. So I'd like to say now, it's over to you. The ball is in your court because um, I'd like you to write some comments on the website, including um, uh, what's your version of the idiom, you can't have your cake and eat it too. What's your version of that idiom? Um, (laughs) By the way, I'm videoing this, right? I'm videoing uh, this one for the website. Um, So if you do visit the website, you'll see a video of me talking at the end of the episode here. And uh, you just heard me pause there because I was looking at my sleeves because I reviewed the video I did for the introduction. 
and I noticed that there was something on one of my sleeves, like a crumb of bread or something like that, and I've... I'm just looking for it, but I, th I think it's fallen off. Okay, that's one for the video viewers. Um, if you're not watching the video, then you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. Bits of bread on your sleeve. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Um, okay, so it, the ball is in your court because I want to um, read your comments about what's your version of the idiom. You can have your cake and eat it too. Also, another question. What's your favorite idiom in English? Because most people have got a favorite, like an expression that they like. Um, and also, do you have, in your language, equivalent expressions to any of the other expressions that I've given in this episode? All right. Now, um, here's some other stuff that I want to just uh, mention at the end of this episode. Um, and one of them is um, a message. I got a message from a Chinese lepster. Okay. So this is a message from a lepster called Sylvia. And... Uh, She's talking about Pudong. Now, do you remember in, um, I guess it was episode 408, uh, when I was talking to Paul and Amber, we were talking about pudding, and um, then Paul mentioned something about Pudong, which is an area near Shanghai or in Shanghai. And then we made several sort of stupid, immature jokes about it. Uh, but also Paul was talking about, you know, a river, and he couldn't remember exactly if Pudong was the name of the river or if that's the name of a place or what it means. And so I got a message from Sylvia and Sylvia uh, wrote this. She said, Dear Luke, I want to make several things clear here in episode 408 in which Paul talked about Pudong in Shanghai. I live in Shanghai now and the content of the conversation made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Uh, oh, sorry, Sylvia. I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, and then she lists some points. Point number one, it's not Pudong River. It's actually Huangpu River. Uh, number two, it's not Pu, P-U. So, sorry. It is Pu, spelt P-U, not Pu, spelt P-O-O. Okay. Uh, thirdly, Dong in Chinese means East. And then she's written the Chinese character for East. Uh, and then fourth, Pudong is an area which is on the east bank of the Huangpu River. So Pudong is situated on the east coast of the Huangpu River in Shanghai, and it sits in the at the intersection of China's coastal belt for international trade and the Yangtze River estuary. It's backed up by the Yangtze River Delta urban megalopolis and faces the boundless Pacific. Um, Pudong new area... Uh, Pudong, or the new area, in eastern Shanghai, is named because it is located to the east of the Huangpu River. Um, and there are some pictures, and I'll, you'll see these on the website. Now, Pudong new area has become the economic, financial, trade, and shipping centre regionally and internationally. In 20 short years, a dramatic change has taken place in Pudong, changing from farmlands into high building, buildings and from out-of-the-way villages into a prosperous urban area. Pudong has become the Pearl of the Orient, with world attention acclaimed as the epitome of Shanghai's modernization and the symbol of China's reform and opening up. Um, cruising on the, Hangpu, on the Huangpu River, you can see many European-style buildings on the Western Bank, because Shanghai used to be a foreign concession before 1949. At that time, Shanghai was known as the paradise of foreign adventures. Many foreigners, mostly Europeans, came to try their luck here. 
That's why you can see buildings of different architectural styles here – Spanish, Greek, Roman and Russian. Uh, while on the other bank, uh, skyscrapers in the Pudong New area rear high into the sky, which were all built by Chinese people after 1990. Luke, welcome to China. Welcome to Shanghai. Welcome to Pudong. And I hope that when Paul comes to your place again, you can show him this and make it clear. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. All right. So when Paul does come back, I will show him. I'll go, look at this, Paul. That's what Pudong really is. Um, and I actually replied to Sylvia saying, um, I'm sorry this made you uncomfortable. No offence intended. I was just making a joke and failing as usual. I appreciate the information about Shanghai. Would you mind if I read out your message on the podcast? And Sylvia uh, replied saying, Hello Luke, I knew it was a joke. That's okay. It's just that Pudong New Area has always been a prosperous area in my mind. But from now on, every time I think of it or come to there, it will remind me of those jokes that you made. Ha ha. It would be great if you read it on the podcast because I don't want Paul to mislead people around the world thinking that China has a Pudong River. Uh, you can say that, say my name, that's okay. So it's actually Huangpu River, and Pudong is an area sort of to the east of that river. Um, and uh, Sylvia says, and I know Paul, Amber and Paul didn't uh, mean any offence, and I always love you. Nice. Sylvia. Okay. So that's all that, that's that sorted out then, isn't it? That's all that sorted out. Yes, it is. <sighs> okay then. Um, so... We're pretty much done here. There's music in the background still. We're pretty much done. And um, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to join the mailing list, as I always say, because that's the easiest way to get access to the page for every new episode uh, and other content, for example, videos and things that I post. Um, don't forget also to check out Spoken. Two free lessons and then 20% off of uh, English lessons for professionals on WhatsApp uh, and they're sent straight to your phone by an English teacher. Two free lessons, 20% off. Go to getspoken.com slash LEP. Getspoken.com slash LEP or just click a spoken picture image on my website. All right then, fine, good. Good, 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 good. So are you ready for Christmas? You ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Uh... Good. I'm glad. To, I'm glad to hear it. Um, fine. Well, I'm nearly ready. I just need to do a couple of bits of last-minute Christmas shopping, and then um, pack. Uh, the wife and me are going to pack our bags, and then go to the airport and fly to England in about five days. And we're having Christmas dinner with her grandparents uh, before we do that on the 24th. It's all very exciting. I'm sure you'll agree. Anyway, I hope that you have a fantastic, magical, wonderful. Uh, Christmas, wherever you are in the world, whether you're on the beach, like like in Brazil, unless you're in somewhere that doesn't have a beach in Brazil, or somewhere else in the world, have a merry, 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 merry Christmas and a happy new year. I'm probably going to upload something between Christmas and New Year. I imagine there might be some content arriving. Otherwise, there might be a little bit of a break because I'll be away doing family things, drinking beer and falling asleep in front of the TV, you know, the usual Christmas stuff. Uh, but there might be something, so check your, I don't know, check your RSS feed, check your emails, uh, because there may be some content, content which I'm going to upload and get out to you uh, for you to enjoy, okay? 
All right. So that's it for this episode. And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.